Hello, welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and today we have Ethan Howard Ham again. Hello. Hey, guys. So today, I don't have any idea what we're talking about, because we've been doing a lot of really heavy episodes since the full last half of 2020 because of death and grief and losing a job and... Uh, talking about the pandemic and talking about what we do during the pandemic. And so I just told Ethan to go with it today. So you're going with it today. I I am. I do have (laughs) an idea of what we're doing today. Um, Yeah, I thought that since things are still uh, continuing to be difficult in the world and Mm -hmm. uh, we have, you know, talked about those difficult things for the past several episodes, I thought we could all do with a palate cleanser. Yep. And I also think that um, it's nice for your audience to kind of take a moment to get to know you a little bit more. And I guess me too, but mostly you. Well, you know, that's the thing. I bring my people and these are, I mean, that's the whole point of this show. It's very casual. It's very much the conversations I'm having on a daily basis with the people I'm having them with to, for the most part, Um, there will come a time again, once I can see new people and strangers And I'll be interviewing interesting, or not interviewing, but talking to interesting and fascinating people and having conversations with them too, because that's what I love, meeting new people too, but it's just not an option. So yeah, let's let them get get to know us. Yeah. And yeah, why not take this opportunity since it is just me and you most of the time? Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be Michelle today, but we ran out of time. Um, Michelle, friend of the show, but... She'll come back next week sometime and her fabulous French boyfriend, Flo. Yes. Uh, But today we're going to do whatever it is you've got planned for us. Today we're talking about our favorite things. Oh. A la Sound of Music. A la Sound of Music or Oprah. Oh, or Oprah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, hey, they talk about getting to know us. There's like a little window into our, you know, personalities right there. Right My first there. thought is Sound of Music. Your first thought is Oprah. <laughs> yep. She Well, every year she releases her list of favorite things. I guarantee you her list of favorite things is more fabulous and more expensive than mine. I don't know. Or yours. I heard that last year um, she dialed it down a notch, you know, in, in light of everything that was going on. Right. Um, which is good. But we're not going to be talking about any fabulous or expensive gift ideas today. No. We're going to be talking about just random stuff. Okay. Um, some of them are going to be lighthearted and, sim- and silly. Some of them are going to be a little bit more, you know, deeper and getting into your psyche a little bit more, maybe. Ooh, that's a scary place. So we'll start off with something a little bit lighter. Okay. Your favorite ice cream. Huh. I think... I go back and forth on that one. Um, I think my favorite ice cream... based on consistency and reliability is cookies and cream. I really, really love chocolate. I really, really love mint. I love mint ice cream, but depending on the brand, chocolate may be a little bit too syrupy. Vanilla can be too bland. Um, You get cookies, chocolate chip cookie dough. The cookie dough can be a little too hard, not soft enough, yada, yada. When you get mint, Mint, it's usually mint chocolate chip. I could do without the chocolate chips. Um, but then you get them and they're too hard. They, they hurt your teeth sometimes. So it's always the cook, the Oreo in cookies and cream is always soft. It's always reliable. You can get the generic cheap brand. You can get the low fat brand and it still tastes good to me. What about you? Um, so my favorite, I guess, in general flavor, I also go back and forth on. Um, I go back and forth between mint chocolate chip because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't have a huge sweet tooth. 
I have moments where I crave something sweet, mm-hmm. but overall, I don't love sweets. So that's why I like mint chocolate chip because it's got like that bite of the mint to it. Yeah. Um, but I, having said that, I also really love uh, cookie dough ice cream. Yeah. However, if I'm going to be super specific and I'm really like craving just like good old rich ice cream, mm-hmm. my favorite is Ben and Jerry's fish food. <laughs> what is that? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's chocolate ice cream with caramel and marshmallow swirls Okay. and like chocolate chunks. What does that have to do with fish? It's fish the, brand, fish the band, P-H-I-S-H. Oh, gotcha. I don't know what it has to do with them. I'm assuming they <laughs> asked fish the band to be like, what's your favorite ice cream? Or what could, what would you make ice cream if you could? And they said that. Oh. I'm assuming. I don't know nothing. All I know is it's delicious. <laughs> Sounds like a plausible explanation to me. So, yeah. There you go. What is your favorite color? My favorite color is equally blue and green. I I like it because I have blue eyes. Um, blue eyes and green eyes. Like my eyes fluctuate between blue and green. Sometimes they are a sea green kind of thing. And so it, it just reflects what I feel like I look good in that color. Whenever it comes time to pick aesthetics for my surroundings, it usually winds up being a blue or a green I'm always just very drawn to it. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me with colors. Do you have anything more complex than mine? Oh, I sure do. <laughs> I was going to say my favorite color is Pantone bottle green. Okay. I'm going to be real extra <laughs> as, as well, you know. So Pantone, I mean, I learned about Pantone when we were working, both of us were working for Sephora yeah, in New York City. And now I, I really enjoy Pantone there. I, I enjoy the whole like seriousness behind Pantone picks the color of the year. And it does seem to like come out and we do enjoy Pantone's colors mm-hmm. that year more than other years. So I enjoy that. What is Pantone bottle green? It's like, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's like, have you ever seen sea glass? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of like soft Almost pale green, mm-hmm. like kind of emeraldy, yeah, kind of mossy, that color. Okay, I could show you on the phone, but the audience couldn't see it. You look it up, Pantone, Pantone bottle, bottle green. green. <laughs> so my favorite color. Um, and is there a complex reason behind that, or you just like it? Well, I've always liked greens, um, because, well, when I was little, my favorite color was always green, just because I liked the color, you know. Mm-hmm. But then as I got older and did more research into why people like the color they like. Mm -hmm. Um, It made sense why I like green because green is the color of nature, but green is also considered to be a healing color. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Cool. What is your favorite season? I think my favorite season is autumn because I don't know. Autumn closely followed by spring because I like that spring is heating things up. And, you know, you feel like you've been dormant in the winter. And even here in L.A. where there are no real seasons, seasons like I mean, no prominent seasons like there are in other areas in the world. It still has a dormancy in winter that that is palpable. And when spring comes, it gets a little warmer and everybody's ready to go back outside and go to the beach and go to the park and lay out in the sun and play, do sports and stuff outside and um, I really enjoy that, but I also really enjoy that in summer now in LA, thanks to climate change, it gets really, really hot. Like it used to not get this hot in, in LA when I was living here before, but now it gets really hot and I don't mind the heat, 
but it's very, very enjoyable when the heat starts to dissipate and the nights get really cold and you can just, you know, chill out a little bit. I enjoy the fall. And and I like I like the I like the fall season here in LA because people enjoy Halloween a whole lot here. And I have um really sort of reveled in Halloween in my time here in LA. Most every time I'm here in LA, I do like Halloween horror nights for Universal Studios. I audition for that and we can get cast and yada yada and spend my time scaring people and you know, and then we go to hay rides and you know you see the pumpkins, and we can do pumpkin carvings. It's it's fun. I like it. What about you? My favorite is fall, too. Um, I am basic, and I'm unashamed <laughs> to admit it. In fact, I wear that badge proudly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like everything about it. I like... I, I will say that in springtime, when you feel that first sort of like wash of warmth come in the air, mm-hmm. it feels nice. It feels like, you know, life is coming again. Mm-hmm. But and then, especially, it's probably going to feel that way a lot this year because of 2020 COVID, all mm-hmm. that stuff. We're going to be like, springtime! But then, uh, for me, springtime is closely followed by, and you know, there's the beauty of spring as well with mm-hmm. everything blooming. Everything's blooming. But springtime for me is usually closely followed by allergy season. So spring is not my favorite. Um, but compared to the warmth that comes in with the spring, the coolness that comes in and the crispness that comes in in the fall mm-hmm. really like speaks to my soul even more so. Yeah. Um, to me, it seems like fall just uh, activates all of your senses in a way that the other seasons don't as much. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. But, you know, you have those iconic fall smells and oh. you see the leaves changing and you feel the crispness in the air and you hear the crunch of leaves and... Mm-hmm. Or crackling of fire or whatever. Like, everything feels like it's just... It feels like there's a magic in the air and fall. Yeah. I always just felt that way for I me. wonder if if people... Because you and I both are born in April. I wonder if that has something to do with it. We're born smack dab in the middle of spring. So is that why we love opposite so much? We love autumn. And I wonder. Because everybody wants what they can't have. Because I have very, very curly hair. And everybody's like, I love your hair. I wish I had your hair. And then people who have curly hair want straight hair that because if you straighten curly hair it's frizzy there's no point in doing it so everybody wishes they could have what they don't want and they they just love opposites i mean that's just human nature could be so i wonder if that my mother was born in my mother was born in winter and she loves the summer does she see Mm -hmm. i mean i think i think i'm onto something i've never seen psychological studies i've never i don't think they would do it because who cares it's that's a waste of money but i think i'm onto something what is your favorite music genre uh i don't know that's you a go. tough one for well. You that's go. a tough one for me too. <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I would say it depends on the mood I'm in. However, I will say that the type of music that I listen to the most is probably like indie folk. Mm-hmm. I think, or so just too. folk in general. Maybe I. I really. I. I don't know. I don't know. I I listen to a lot of singer songwriter music a lot, and I enjoy. I enjoy every artist when they get into that realm of singer songwriter. Like I love Carol King. I love Joni Mitchell, James Taylor. I love those. Taylor Swift is a fantastic songwriter. Shania Twain is a fantastic songwriter. Dolly Parton is a fantastic songwriter, you know, and I enjoy when country music gets into that realm of singer songwriter. I, and, but I also enjoy a lot of country music. Now, right now, it's definitely country music mm-hmm. right now um, and not country of today. I don't listen to country of today. Right. I don't listen to anything country, but I'm just into like 
the country of the 90s that I grew up with. And I'm interested in, you know, old stuff. And for some reason, I'm fascinated with Leanne Rhymes right now. And so I'm listening to Patsy Cline, who is who she has been compared to her whole life and other songwriters and singers like that. So and Dolly Parton, I'm I'm in a huge, huge like Dolly Parton phase right now. Well, I think the world is in a huge Dolly Parton phase right now. <laughs> she's true. she's pumping out a lot right now, and the world is ready for it. Yeah, know? but the world needs it. The world is wanting it. They just announced today that Dolly Parton is going to be on season seven of Grace and Frankie. There's going to be a nine to five reunion in the next year on TV. So I think yeah. That's where I'm at right Wait, now. They Dolly officially Parton. announced that she is in fact coming. They've got a storyline. She said, I have every intention of doing it. That's news to me. So, I didn't know that. Because you sleep late. <laughs> I got up at 945. <laughs> well, I got up earlier and I heard the story. What about you? Is Or is that just it? The folk music? and I would say that's it. But I I'm, I feel like it's almost like eye rolly at this point to say, mm, I listen to every kind of music. But mm-hmm. I kind of do almost every kind of music. Like, it was even fairly recent that I actually started really getting into, like, what we call classic rock, like 80s, like, mm-hmm. 80s slash late 70s rock. Yeah. I used to not really be into that, but I'm kind of getting into it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always into Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks. Uh, you, yeah, you surprise me sometimes when you, like, you'll turn on the Eagles in the car and... See, I'm really, yeah, I'm really getting I'm into, like, like really? the Eagles and Journey and that I kind of stuff. I didn't know, like, I, and then there's people that I don't even know... Um, that you'll turn on on the car when we're going driving. We're going to go for a drive later today, and you'll probably put on something that I'm just like, okay, cool. You know more music than I do, which that's never been. Like, music has never been my space. Like, Mm -hmm. if we want to have a whole conversation about television, right? we can. But, you know, but I do love music. I think everybody loves music. I mean, if you don't love music, that's kind of, I mean, I won't say it's kind of sad, but it's just, it's weird to not have some kind of music you like because... TV shows and movies, they implement music to help tell the story. And, you know, music videos are visual aids to the song to help tell the artist's story. Like, we we use this multimedia experience that we have access to. And so I just don't get when people don't really even care for music. I'm like, wow, that's very quiet in your life. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I've heard people say that before that they're just not into music, and I think you kind of know all you need to know about that person when they say that, you know? Right. Even um, musical, like musical theater, or you know, you gotta love something. Yeah, and like you were saying, you were you've been listening to a lot of, you know, older school uh, country, and mm-hmm. I'm doing that a lot myself too lately. Like I've just put on a random Reba album from I think the late '80s yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and man, like. Again, that album you were playing yesterday was from early '90s. Early '90s, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could sing. I mean, mm-hmm. she still can sing, but she could like hit some crazy notes. Yeah, and, like, she could do wail. some great stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because we were riding in the car, and uh, our friend Michelle was telling something very. Like, she was talking about something pretty serious, yeah. and then we we heard Reba hitting the high notes, and you and I are just looking at each other like we can't have a full gay nerd out over this right. Reba song because our friend is pouring her heart out to us. So we'll go back to it later. We'll go back to it later. Probably today. <laughs> Appropriate that earlier we were talking about all the stuff about LA and the seasons in LA and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite thing about LA? My favorite thing about LA is how chill it is. 
And that and that is directly based on the correlation to the fact that we moved here three years ago from New York City. So it, I'm still in a space, and I, I wonder if I'll always be in a space of comparing it to New York City because I have a cousin that lives here, um, somebody who I hope to be on the show at some point, and he he's been here for I guess 13, 14 years now, and he's a, he's kind of I mean he's not over it like he's not leaving, but he's gotten to that space where like ugh this city. And everybody gets to that space of, ugh, this city. And I think everybody gets to that space no matter where you live. Right. But we came here, and we've just always done better in L.A. than we did in New York. And I'm just like, it's chill. I've always, you know, I, I'm i in a gig space in my life right now. That's what I've been saying, that, like, I was uh, managing Starbucks. That didn't work out so well. They asked me to politely never come back. And I'm just, and I just kind of tumbled through Christmas and then tumbled into this new job that I'm doing now. And I, you know, not talking too much about it because I just don't like to talk about my actual day job when I'm in the day job, but I will say I'm helping to vaccinate people from COVID-19 and it's, you know, we talk about it. We, everybody who's there working there loves this job. Um, and we all know that hopefully, God willing, this is a temporary job. We will have vaccinated the the people and we will continue life. And I just, you know, I have that ability here in L.A. to work. And I'm working on this show, other shows, this and that. I've got projects lined up. So I just, it's just chill. And the best, if you want statistics on it, I looked it up when we moved here. Manhattan, where we lived before, Manhattan, New York, the population density was 72,000 people per square mile. And here in L.A., it's 8,000 people per square mile. So it's just not nearly as congested. It's not nearly as just jammed. And, you know, people will be like, well, what about the, uh, about the freeways? Well, I rarely get on a freeway. Ever, Really? Like I, t- I go into Hollywood for some of the work I do. I take city streets. What's the point? It takes me longer to get to the freeway to get to Hollywood than it would to just go city streets over the mountain by Warner Brothers. And as somebody who does take the freeways uh, three, d- three days out of the week, I can tell you that I would much rather be in my car on a freeway in traffic than packed in like sardines to into a subway train yeah. that was also taking just because as long to get where I need to go. Your your commute to now is about an hour and my commute from where we live to where we worked in or where I worked in Times Square was about an hour. And so it's just like yes, the train in New York was my reading time and that was I'd take a book everywhere I go and read my book. And I can't do that in the car anymore. I mean, unless you do audiobooks, but I don't really do audiobooks. I like to read. I like to keep my mind and my eyes working. I like it to be a full experience. Um, but yeah, it's it's the same, but except I'm private now. <laughs> so yeah. what about you? What's your favorite thing about LA? I'd have to say that my favorite thing about LA is the diversity in every aspect. Um, because LA is obviously a, an incredibly diverse city. Um, I have noticed that there is an unfortunate sort of, I don't want to say segregation, but there is sort of like a sectioning of, you know, different races and ethnicities of people here in the city. Um, but I hope that's changing and I feel like it is changing. Um, but apart from that, there's a diversity in landscape. There's a diversity in like the vibe of the neighborhoods. There's a diversity mm-hmm. in the food you can find. Well, and I feel like it's melted more. 
in Los Angeles than it is in New York City. If we're just going to compare the two apples to oranges, in New York, you know there's a certain type of person who lives in Queens versus a certain type of person that lives in Brooklyn. Kind of, and you know, and then within, I mean, and I won't say just one type of person, but you can tell there's like 15 different archetypes that live in Brooklyn. And then there's going to be 15 different archetypes that live in Queens. And then there's going to yeah. be maybe seven different archetypes that live in the Bronx. And then there's sort of a blend of all of those people living in Manhattan alongside the one archetype of rich. And then there's the one archetype of person who lives on Staten Island. Yeah. I bless their hearts. I, I bless them. I, I kiss them with, I know that it sucks that you are New York city because when you go to Staten Island, it is full suburb, mm-hmm. but it's New York city. So, I mean, it's, you know, sorry, I, I love you, but it sucks. Go to New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile here, I feel like if you see a type of person, you're like, Oh, I guarantee you that person lives in this neighborhood. But I don't know. It's hard to tell because we live in Burbank, which is can be a little conservative, can mm-hmm. be a little rich, can be a little bit uh, Hispanic versus black versus white versus Asian. And you cannot tell by race if they are conservative, rich, poor, or what. In Burbank, we live in this nice apartment. There are great people. We are friends with some of the people who live here now. But also there is full fl- full fledged trash who yep. lives right next to us. So you just you don't know. You, L.A. is very melted. It's very blended. So I, I enjoyed that more. This might be a challenging question for you to answer, um, given what you just said about New York. But what's your favorite thing about New York? I really did love that it's always active. Like I I was always involved in something, and I loved. I haven't been able to to do what I did in New York, which was I would be performing downtown in a theater at night, doing some night shows, go to the bar next door to the show with all the cast and everything and drink and play darts and have fun and sing songs when they come on the radio and then get on the train and go home you know, and kind of let everybody peel off, you know, cause there'd be like five of us on the train and then this is their stop and they'd peel off, peel off. I, we lived at the very top. So I was always the last one to get off the train mm-hmm. with the group. You know, I haven't had that because LA is so spread out that people don't, the, the party doesn't get smaller as we're going home. People just go their separate directions yeah. and stuff. And I, I, I miss that, but I also miss snow. A little bit. I'm starting to miss the snow a little bit. Not, I mean, it, it. it's nostalgia. It's not, there's a leaf blower coming our way. I'm sure you can hear it. Um, it's not like miss it like I wish I had it. It's just nostalgia because, yeah. like I said, every time I think about the snow, because I still do improv for um, Zoom stuff. Like I'm on an, a digital improv team. And my improv partners, they have like 18 inches of snow every other day now. And I'm just like, yeah, I love the snow, but I remember how everybody at some point falls and busts their ass on the sidewalk in front of strangers. Yep. And there's no graceful way to bounce back from that. And, nope. and luckily in New York, everybody just, they just ignore it. Everybody's just like, thank you. Please just ignore this. Just let me crawl as ungracefully as I have to up back to my feet 
leave me alone. I'm not hurt because I'm wearing six inches of parka. <laughs> just let me let me get it. And they, and they do. They just ignore you. They're like, yep, yep, yep. Don't done that. Been there. Like it's it's a social contract that I like, but I don't miss falling. <laughs> yeah. What falling, about you? Falling in front of strangers. What's your favorite thing about New York? I will say that there is just there's a magic in the air in the fall and there's a magic in the air in L- in New York that I don't think there really is here. Mm-hmm. Um at least that's how it feels for me. I don't I mean we were definitely ready to be out of that city by the time we were leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh but even so I would still have days where I would just look up and look around me and go, "Wow, it is New York City." Mm-hmm. And I am in New York City. But you know, I there is a magic to me in LA that I guess maybe you don't have because I lived here once before. It was this was the city where I was first on my own. And it and it does feel like when we moved here it felt like coming home and it hmm. still feels like home. I love Los Angeles. I will always love Los Angeles, but I will say I don't like people who don't like where they are. Right. Actively for year after year after year. We knew those people in New York. They just hated New mm-hmm. York, but they just stayed. Mm-hmm. I don't think people stay in LA nearly as long as they stay in New York. Uh, I think if you finally get so far over in LA, you'll leave. I don't know that people will yeah. in, LA, in New York. I'm like, if you, you have to understand cities are not pleasant. No. Living this close to people is not, not pleasant. I just mean, that's the one side of the coin. Yeah. Cities are not pleasant. But also, you have access to cities that you don't understand. And I think that's something that you and I have. We've lived in New York. We can, we can compare New York to L.A. We've also lived out in the country in the boonies. Like, yeah. in the boonies where there's nothing. Like, I understand what I have access to. This guy is getting on my nerves. Why does he not know that we are recording a podcast right now? What is he doing? Like Leaf blowing. I no, can see the leaves. He's blowing. already gone by once. Right. Haven't you cleaned this place? Anyway. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Somebody asked me the other day, I think it was a, a client of mine, asked me uh, what I felt like was the difference between moving to New York and moving to L.A. And I thought about it for a minute and I said, I feel like when you move to New York, New York basically says to you, welcome to New York, you better fit in or you'll, you'll regret it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like L.A. says, welcome to L.A., come on in, we have something for you. Well, that's what I've always said about L.A. to New York. I said, I enjoy, too, L.A. versus New York. New York, you walk out of the st- outside, and we're all just so clustered in here. And art and culture and what's popular, you're told what you will like in L.A. Or, excuse me, you'll, you're told what you will like in New York. Like... In New York, they tell you what the what the greatest new Broadway show is. And so everybody's like, well, that's the greatest new Broadway show. So like Hamilton, for instance. Yeah. I'm, you know, Hamilton's great, but also we were told Hamilton's great. So we went to go see Hamilton, thought it was great, told everybody else it was great and told everybody else to go see it. It just kind of compounded on itself. Like you're told what is hot right now. And in L.A., there's nothing hot right now. Everything's hot to me because I think it's hot. I found it myself. I understand it myself. And there's just such a diversity of people's interests here, too. Whereas in L- in New York, 
everybody's hype about the same thing. Because remember, Sean Mendez was everything there was when we left. He was starting to heat up when we left New York. Everybody was obsessed with Sean Mendez, and that's just all there was to it. And it's because he was one in the weekend as well. Not the weekend, um, Chance the Rapper. Yeah. As well. He was heating up right when we were leaving. And it's because he was one of us. He's a Bronx kid. We're gonna go, you know, Chance the Rapper's hot, so everybody loves Chance the Rapper's hot. And, you know, here people love singers I've never even heard. Here of. people are like, I'm still into the Pixies. Right. Or or, you know, and I had a I went I was at work the other day and this girl um, Sam, she was playing, she was kind of, she's one of our schedulers at work. And she was like, play blaring Taylor Swift. And she was just like, I'm sorry. I just needed Taylor Swift right now. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic and I needed me some Taylor Swift. And I was like, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I said, my partner and I did a whole podcast episode on her two surprise albums. She goes, give me the link. <laughs> so, you know, people don't care what you think of them for thinking what they think here. In yeah. a way that New York, they say they don't care, but I think they do. In a little bit. Yeah. But I like New York. I love New York. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm totally ready to go back for a visit. hmm I agree. What is your favorite scent? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't know. This is hard. <laughs> Having questions, being interviewed is hard. Um... I think maybe mint. Mm. It's just so clean. Like, I won't say just pure mint, but I like scents that have mint in it. Mm-hmm. It f- smells crisp and fresh and clean. My, that's something my mother and I, you, mm-hmm. you've pointed out, my mother and I both are very big into clean smells. Like, when something smells clean, it's not bleachy or lysol It's not fruity or florally it's just a clean crisp smell we like that what about you i have a specific one once again oh dear uh my favorite is white tea and sage from bath and body works i do like that um i don't know what it is like i've never before i discovered that one i would have said like cinnamon and pumpkin Mm -hmm. because i still have like a full body experience again every time fall comes around and I get to go to Home Goods and smell all the pumpkin and cinnamon candles. Oh yeah, we go to TJ Maxx and buy tons of candles every fall for whatever reason. In the fall, we buy the candles and then we don't get we don't we have so many candles we can't use them in that season, so we wind up having leftovers and. I'll tell you yada the secret: yada. you burn the candles. We just don't burn our candles. <laughs> Like, we do now. We're, we're starting to right. get where yeah, we yeah. have a candle burning at all like, times. I get that from Mama, for sure. She has a, like an entire like three or four shelf thing in her closet of mm-hmm. candles. Constantly full of candles. But that's the thing. She's constantly buying them because she's constantly burning them. Right. At least two all day burning them. Well, and it's so funny the way that I see Nettie come into our home through mm-hmm. you. Like, in my house growing up, we did not have a candle drawer. In this house, we do have a candle drawer. And I'm like, okay, we have a candle drawer. That's neat. Mm -hmm. But, you know, difference of histories coming together, I guess. Yes. That's what family is. Um, Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so she, she, Mama, gave me the white tea and sage candle for Christmas. And when I opened the lid and smelled it, I almost had an emotional experience with it. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it was so... Again, visceral for me. I was like, oh, this is it. This is the smell. Yeah. It, and to my delight, that particular scent smells clean. Mm-hmm. So it's very clean and soft and fresh. Um, and I love it. 
it's very calming. It's a calming smell to me. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that's something you and I are getting more. Well, I know I am and I'm forcing it on you, but I think it's, I say forcing, but I don't think I'm having to force you into it unwillingly. I think you agree with me and want this. You and I are very much turning our home into a space of sanctuary. Of We are very aware of the energy in our home and we are getting it to a space where we, in, like we're, we're very controlled of the energy in our home. We are very particular about who we will let in our home and scent. I mean, like I said, all the senses are involved in that. Um, the sight, the smell, the hearing, the, the sound <laughs> and the touch. We love blankets and we love textures. And so what is your favorite meal? Sushi. Really? Mm-hmm. Me too. Sushi <laughs> is my favorite. I love it. We haven't had it at all, really, um, yeah, during the it, pandemic. Maybe since March 15th of 2020, which was the day that the world shut down, they turned the lights off on the world, flipped that switch, or at least in America, they flipped the switch. February 15th, 2020 was the year, or was the day everybody went home. We have maybe, or I've maybe had sushi three times, and we at least have it two or three times a month when we mm-hmm. are not in a pandemic. So mm-hmm. I miss it. That's something I might need to insist on now that we have outdoor dining again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love it. So is that just yours? Just plain and simple sushi. I will say my favorite, sorry. <laughs> See, I'm getting all weirded out when not, when you're asking me questions, <laughs> I ask you a question. Then I answer a different question instead of letting you answer that. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Again, I kind of have two answers. I'm probably super annoying to people who are listening because this is not how you play the game. You can't always give like, here's my three favorite things to the one question you ask. Mm-hmm. But I kind of have two answers. My sort of, the one side of me is like sushi. Mm-hmm. I love sushi. It's very fulfilling to me. It's not very filling at not all. Not filling, but Like I'm filling. always starving when we get home after eating sushi. So... Uh, and the other side of me, the side that just wants to, as we say in the South, eat, eat, is some fried chicken with black eyed peas, mashed potatoes with gravy, and probably a biscuit. See, I oh, love collard greens. I love a biscuit. I love fried okra. I love fried okra with a biscuit and mashed potatoes and corn, and then maybe a chicken fried steak, something like that. Something real Southern. I love that. But if you make me pick. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I like sushi. I love sushi. One of my favorite memories, this is this is what I interrupted your answer with, this thought. One of my favorite memories was when we came for a visit to Los Angeles before we moved here. We went to this place in West Hollywood. I don't remember what it's called. Do you? Katana. Katana. So go there. It was expensive. Eh. It was expensive. But I, the one specific thing I'm talking about, we it was so expensive we couldn't eat we couldn't afford to eat all that we wanted to eat there we were like ooh this is a little pricey um but we decided to get an appetizer after our meal to sort of fill us up you know and we got those garlic sautéed green beans that were the best green beans I've ever had in my life they were really that good. was what turned me like you before that you would be like I'm going to cook green beans and I'd be like oh green beans whatever I don't care for green beans, but then I ate those, and now I love green beans. After eating those, it opened me up to everything else with green beans, and now I love them. 
And that was, and they were, it was the garlic sauteed green beans from Katana because they were so crispy. I loved them. They were crunchy. They were really good. I will say that Katana is the kind of place that you go. Like when we were there, we saw two like steelist celebrities get into a fight. And then we watched somebody get kicked out of the restaurant because they were stalking somebody else. Oh, yeah. It was so full. Uh, th- and that's why I would never live in, in West Hollywood uh-huh. because there are there are always people like the Shaws of Sunset yes. or Below Deck rolling up in a Rolls Royce. And it's like, okay, calm down. If Meryl Streep can drive a Prius, you can too. Whatever, you know. But they do. And then they're like stalking people. And I'm like, okay. And it was on a velvet porch of like like an embassy where we were eating. It was crazy. But it was good food. It was pretty good. Very, Very expensive though. Yeah. If I remember correctly, we had one roll that we split and then the green beans. And then we left and got pizza. Yeah, we got pizza on the way home. Which, then we just to be honest, I love that experience mm-hmm. of like going somewhere fancy and eating the bare minimum that you can. Yeah, and then getting pizza on the. We way did home. have a glass of wine as well. That's, oh, we did. That's where that's where the prices was. It was like twenty bucks a glass. Well, everybody knows something. that's where restaurants get their money. Right. If they serve alcohol, is you gotta alcohol. you gotta serve the more alcohol. But yeah. So, what about your favorite dessert? Uh, I love chocolate cake. I do love like, but I love thick, rich, almost crispy. Um, and I don't know if this makes any sense. Almost crispy frosting. I don't like the whippy frosting. I like frosting that has got a little grit to it. Got a little bit of that you can feel the sugar weight to it. I do. I love that. Like you can feel the sugar. Um, but also I love ice cream. I can eat. I, I have to have ice cream after a meal. Really, at least four or five times a week, or else I'm just like, no. A good substitute for ice cream, though, is Oreos. I love sweets. I <laughs> <laughs> love sweets. I love that you said that as if you were going to say, like, a good substitute for ice cream is, I don't know, like frozen sorbet. yogurt. Yeah, like sorbet. Something healthy. No, no, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just mean to fill that slot. Oreos does it. Milk and, milk and cookies can do it. I, I love a sweet tooth. That's why I'm getting fatter and fatter every day. I can't help it. I'm trying to lose weight. And see, that's what I was going to say. I don't know how to answer this question because I don't really have a sweet tooth. It's very hard for me to like settle on a favorite dessert. It mm-hmm. might be strawberry shortcake. Ah. But that's probably also like a Pavlovian thing. Because strawberry shortcake makes me think of my grandmother. Yeah. That's true. Now, my grandmother, I wish I... I I'm going to see if my aunt has the recipe for this. My grandmother does what she called, or she did. She's passed on. But she used to do this thing called a sweet milk cake. And it was just like a regular white cake. But the icing was like very thin, but it was like caramelized. And on the end, like it would, when she, she would do, she would frost it before she would bake it. And then the edges would caramelize and the, and the crystally sugary would be a little bit crunchy. And it was just perfect. I loved it. And she would always make me one for my birthday before um, before she passed. And I really would love to have that recipe. Hmm. I've never heard of that. I'll have to ask Mama if she's heard of it. She probably has. Maybe. I don't know. Like, that's what she called it. I don't I don't, I don't know what what's in it. Mm-hmm. I just know I loved it. And it was just basic. It was mm-hmm. just basic cake, basic frosting. But it, it would almost look syrupy mm-hmm. on top. And it was crunchy a little huh. bit because it was baked on. I'm going to say that my favorite dessert is a peanut butter milkshake. Okay. Because I love me some peanut butter. 
You really do. It's it's unnatural, actually. It's perfectly natural. Uh, well, I think now is a good time to get into a few of the more in-depth questions okay. before we go. Um, what is your favorite childhood memory? I think my favorite childhood memory, and I was thinking about this yesterday, is playing Barbies with my sister. Aw. Because, you know, being from the South, born in the 80s, I felt shame about playing Barbies. And I knew that there was a shelf life of acceptability before this is just too girly for you to be doing. And I now realize that playing Barbies with my sister and playing house and playing, you know, playing make believe with my sister, I never stopped playing make believe. That's what I do for my, for my life. I am an improv actor because I, I believe that improv is the most purest form of make-believe for adults because with, with straight acting or with, you know, following a script, a scripted, scripted acting experience, you are following a script. You don't get to delineate. You don't get to deviate off of, off of the script too much. I mean, you know, and everybody always does this thing where they're like, if good actors make it look so flawless. They assume that it was an improv moment. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's usually 100% not. It's usually just great acting, great writing come together to make a very organic moment. Mm -hmm. But with improv, it is make believe. And I, my Megan and me, we were both very, very, very good at make believe. And it was usually with Barbies mostly. And that's where I, that's where I honed my, my craft of playing make believe as a person and as, as a full fledged adult. And so that's what I love. And that's probably my fondest memory. What about you? That's a really good answer. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite childhood memory is probably my fifth birthday. Oh yeah. Um, that was definitely the biggest birthday, uh, I ever had. Um, the entire family. Do you remember? I'm sure you do. Cause again, if you're from the South and I'm sure this is not just a Southern thing, but it, it did happen a lot where we come from. Yeah. Uh, whenever there was a family party, birthday or whatever, um, there was only so much room in the driveway if you had a driveway. Yeah. So then everybody else who came just parked on in different grass. places on the yard. Yeah. yeah. Just park- <laughs> and you and and you and I both grew up in a, in houses where there was an a, a concrete driveway. It wasn't gravel like yeah. a lot of our friends probably had. It was concrete, so nobody ever parked on the grass. Ever. Right. It was like the grass and our and I've seen your parents' house and you know my mom's house. The grass is beautiful. It's been mm-hmm. my dad took a lot of pride in upkeep in that in the grass of his house. And I'm sure your mom did too, because it seems like your mom's the one who's the gardener and this and that. But um yeah, it's funny that to think of people just like parking on the grass. Yeah. You're like, you don't go on the grass, you're gonna kill the grass. And that's part of it for me. Like that's part of the memory is thinking back to me as a child seeing all the cars parked on the grass and just thinking, Oh, this is gonna be a good time. You know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that was back when, you know, no matter because various cousins are, you know, different ages. There is a wide range of ages for us. Mm-hmm. Um but back then, we all just played with each other. Yeah. It wasn't yet the time where people, where some of the cousins were getting too old to play with the younger ones. Yeah. Um, so the party was had outside because, again, my birthday's in April. So mm-hmm. uh, the weather was perfect for it. Um, uh, at my family home, there's a two-car garage. So we pulled the cars out of the garage, uh, opened up the doors, put some box fans out there, 
and then brought out some of those like plastic folding tables mm-hmm. and we just had like cake and chips and trail mix and candy and stuff out in big bowls on the yeah. tables and there was a couple of like homemade ice cream makers going and uh i remember there was a big uh red wagon full of presents i say full of presents it sounds like i'm you know it was overflowing not really well everybody knows what a little radio flyer is it's yeah. not that much space yeah, there's yeah, not exactly. that much space in a, exactly. in a radio flyer. there were presents in there for me and opened the presents and then uh whatever toys were in there that we could play with immediately like there were some nerf guns and do you remember those uh like foam disc shooters mm-hmm. we, there were a couple of those that were uh, back- i had a spider-man one I had Batman and Spider-Man one. Yeah. Yeah. And we got those out and we were just running around shooting each other with Nerf guns and playing hide and seek. And the parents were sitting in the garage, you know, hanging out and chit chatting, drinking Coke, drinking Coke. <laughs> and, um, that was the year that, uh, I guess it was just two of them, but two of my aunts went in together and got me the big super Nintendo. Mm-hmm, Cause that was set. 1996. Yeah. Um, and that was just a good time. I remember, it's funny when you think back to when you were a child and realize how aware you were of the world, even though mm-hmm. you were so little. Cause I remember thinking how nice it was to have everybody over and have everybody having a good time together. Yeah. That was kind of my favorite thing about it. Mm-hmm. That's so old man of you. I'm sure glad everybody oh, came over today. You know me. That, that, that <laughs> is, that is my nature. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, did you have a favorite childhood toy? Mm. I did. And mine was very simple. What was it? A bouncy ball. Really? I loved bouncy balls. Mm-hmm. I remember um, when I was a little bit older than that, because this was with Kendall when she was little. We used to lay down in my bedroom floor. <laughs> I'm sure it was super annoying to my parents, but uh, we would both have a bouncy ball, and we would lay down on the floor and throw. There was a little strip of wall between where my closet, where the top of my closet was, and then the ceiling. Mm-hmm. There was a little strip of wall there. Yeah, and we would throw bouncy balls up onto that little strip of wall. And then it would bounce back and we would catch it. And we'd just lay there on the floor next to each other and throw bouncy balls against the wall. We used to do that, Megan and me. We um, we would both get sent to our rooms for fighting. Like, we'd fight and then we couldn't come out of our rooms. So then we would have, like, a ball and we'd just roll the ball down the hall. Because she was at the end of the hall where, at that end of the bedroom where I, I stay now. And mm-hmm. that, the room that got turned into Mom's Den was my bedroom. And I would sit in that doorway and roll the ball to her. And she'd roll the ball back. And we'd do that for like an hour, and then we'd be able to come out of our room. Um, I think my favorite childhood toy was Lincoln Logs. Oh, Lincoln Logs. Because I remember, Mom, do you remember? Okay, so this is funny. And this is going to be a little bit of, you know, inside stories, because people mm-hmm. don't know this. But do you remember that that felt couch that I had in my first apartment in Birmingham? The, the love seat? That, um, that, that had the ruffly back, and it had the wood on the front? I think so. What the brown one. It was brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. With the buttons, the black yep. buttons all over it. That was our couch. And I would build an entire like ranch, like a complex, <laughs> like I'd build a house. We had enough Lincoln logs that I'd build a house. I would build a barn. I would build like a guest house. Like I would build a lot of stuff with Lincoln logs. And then I had, uh, when one of the Superman movies came out or Lois and Clark or something, I remember I had a little car and I don't know why I used this car. It was Lois Lane in a little car, like a Happy Meal toy. And I would make her the owner of the, of the, the farm space. Uh, and so I would make her like, I would build like a little mechanism for her to drive up the hill. And the whole couch was like this hill that she lived on and I would build everything. And then I would, 
pretend to like make her park and then go inside. And then I would take my arm and destroy the farm <laughs> as if, she, and I was like, she's got a tornado. Right. And like, I would destroy it. And I, was, I just, I got a lot of joy out of destroying this woman's house. And that's, I did that very often. And I would change it up and they'd be like, the house has got to go over here now because she... She rebuilt for the 10th time. She rebuilt. She's like, I need to move because I have tornadoes. But yeah, that was my favorite toy. Lincoln Logs, just being able to build and create. What was your favorite... What was your favorite class you took in college? Favorite class in college. Uh, I think my favorite class that I took in college was... um, You go. <laughs> I can tell you my favorite class uh, actually turned out to be scene shop. Really? Yeah. Um, that was where we built the sets for our mm-hmm. productions that we would put on in the theater department. And um, yeah, I didn't think I would like it very much, but you had to take it um, mm-hmm. for the major. And I dreaded it. But I actually really enjoyed it. Right. And ended up doing it again, like twice outside of the, the requirement because I liked it so much. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I took it because now I'm at least moderately handy with tools and can build things and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun. I I like that. I don't remember what the class was called. It was because my minor was film and it was specifically ethnographic filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. And my major was history. And this was a class where it mixed those two. So it was one of my film professors, uh, Rosie O'Byrne. You remember her? And um, uh, this woman in the history department, Dr. Glover, she uh, she was very, very involved in writing the history of Brookside, that little mm-hmm. suburb or that little enclave of Gardendale mm-hmm. where the Russian Orthodox Church was. Mm-hmm. And then Pamela K. Stern, whose father, the Stern Library, is named after, and she was very big. She was the one who um, was in charge of the... His registrar of historical homes in Birmingham. So you see those houses that have that scent, that plaque on the front. She was the one who was in charge of like making that happen. But so we would go, we had to do three different neighborhoods. We had to explore three different neighborhoods in Birmingham and write the write some history on it that would eventually become part of the historical archive there. And I remember that one was Brookside, that Russian Orthodox enclave of Gar- of Gardendale, and another one was Norwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and Norwood was is over there where Car- Caraway Hospital is now, which Caraway Hospital has been abandoned and it's a it's a dump now. But Norwood um, was there, and then we had to do another one. It was I forget what the other one was. It was Red Red something Red Red Rock or something. I can't remember. Um, but I remember I had to go, we had to interview people from those neighborhoods who have a piece of their history in those neighborhoods. And Norwood happened to be where my father lived when he, um, came back from Vietnam for a little while. And so I took dad down to Norwood. We sat in the park with my friend, Craig Wooten. You remember him? Mm -hmm. Long curly hair. He was my, uh, interview partner and we did it for camera and now that piece uh, with my father talking about coming back to Norwood after Vietnam is part of the historical archive of that neighborhood now in Birmingham. Oh, wow, so, that's really cool. Because, you know, they, that's what you do. You use the students to do what you got to do, you mm-hmm. know? 
So they built the history. So I don't I don't remember what that class was called, but I do remember that was really fun to just go out and like to actually get out and explore and take notes and interview people and get to know the people in the in the neighborhoods. Coincidentally or not, I don't know if coincidentally would be the right word, but Norwood went through a big slump after white flight mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s um, and 80s. And then it bounced back because gays moved in and remodeled their homes. And now it's in a big gay neighborhood in Birmingham. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. I've been through there recently. And um, yeah, it's nice, every huh? time I go back, it's there's something else going they on. They still there. have that linear park, don't they? I don't know if I go by there. Oh, yeah. I don't they know. do. They had a linear park that was really cool. They'd have like... Uh, like Fourth of July celebrations on the Linear Park. It was really huh. neat. It was it was a nice little neighborhood. Well, uh, for our last question, mm-hmm. what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote. Um, do you know yours? I do. I'm gonna look mine up real quick. Why you? Okay. Why you do that? Mine is from one Master Yoda. Mm, that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, I like that. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, and the quote is: "Do or do not. There is no trying." Really, that's your favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Is that a new development? It is. I was about to say, that seems to fit with some of the conversations we've yeah. had in our lives lately. So um, that's really nice. Yeah. And I feel like that could maybe come across as like a like a tough thing to say. And it mm-hmm. kind of is. But I think that's the point, you know. Like, why waste time mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'll try to do this and just go do it. I, exactly. I think we as humans give ourselves too much leeway with deliberation Mm-hmm. and more decisiveness would help us out. So Yeah. Like, I've heard people say things like, I'm just trying to be more authentic. Like, what a, just, yeah. What just do you do mean? It. Just do, do it. Just do it. Um, you know, authenticity is important, but... But if you have to try to be authentic, right. you're not doing it. <laughs> so my favorite quote is, um, and you know this, you know this quote, and I, I'll read it. It's a, it's quite a, it's kind of long, but I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, It's called The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat." That is something that Theodore Roosevelt said, and it's sort of the basis of Brene Brown's work of daring greatly and being brave and, you know, daring the wilderness. I, I, it just resonates with you, with me, uh, about you and me. We have dared greatly and we have worked hard and we have stumbled and we have lost all of our money and we have lost jobs unexpectedly and we have had to figure it out. And that's something that we talk about a lot lately is that we're okay. Yeah. We've done it. We know how to get things done because we've gotten things done because we had to get things done. We are the men in the arena. We are not 
criticizing other people for doing things that, you know, failed. We are right, there. No. We are there failing and succeeding time and again. And that's all life is failures and successes. Successes are the reward of the failures that you learned from, in my opinion. And that's, that's where we are. And we're doing, we're doing great things. Yeah. Even if on a personal level. So that quote really speaks to me. That is a good one. And I think that's a, a great place for us to end today. Mm-hmm. And I hope that uh, you guys out there listening, you know, enjoy this and uh, you come away from this feeling like you're a little bit closer with, with us and with Kyle, the host. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I feel like once you're able to make that connection with somebody in that way, then you just enjoy going along with them on the ride mm-hmm. of their life that much more. Yeah. And thanks for to you for suggesting this today because... Uh, I go by the philosophy of this show, um, that Lauren Michaels has always said about Saturday night live. He said, we go on not because we're ready. We go on because it's Saturday night and I had nothing prepared for today's show, but it's Thursday. So we went on and and I think this was really neat and fun. So thank you. Of course. And everybody continue to stay safe, wear your mask, keep your social distance, stay home when you can and believe in the science And if you are of age or of the uh, definition of who can get the vaccine, go get that vaccine. Let's get ourselves back up, back up and running. 2021 is the year we're going to get back to a running pace. So stay safe, guys.